The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate them letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. James, no farm futures this week. You spent the time that you normally spend writing the article doing an overhaul of the top 400. So we're going to focus on some risers, some fallers, even some players who've fallen out of the top 400 entirely but let's start with the risers and the, the biggest one kind of the buzz of the prospect world Luis Robert apparently agreeing to a contract with the White Sox as far as I'm concerned or at least as far as I know anyway that deal's not official yet correct doesn't really matter yeah I mean I, I, not Sox. not I'm, I'm not really sure uh but yeah he's I'm just thinking about for specific league like requirements for picking guys up yeah um, I mean I, I know he hasn't been assigned anywhere yet uh we still don't even have his official birth date in the the computer admin yet because that hasn't been uh available but he's yeah i mean he's he's a white sock uh, that's that's pretty much set in stone at this point 
he, he's childhood friends with Yohan Moncada. As far as yeah, I'm there's look, I there's a lot of buzz every time that one of these highly touted Cuban uh, either teenagers or or guys in their their young twenties whenever they sign. And there's a lot of buzz and there's a big bonus. Everyone gets kind of worked up. Like where, where's this guy rank? You know, how, how aggressive should I be in terms of adding this guy? Uh, honestly, a lot of, I mean, uh, Keith law wrote a really good piece about this the other day. Uh, it's, it's really kind of staggering how many of them end up busting. And, you know, he's Robert's got a lot of those same, uh, kind of, standout tools that a guy like Yon Mancata has in terms of being a, he's a plus runner. He's got the potential for plus power. He uh, should be able to stick up the middle and center field at a premium position. Uh, But there's a lot of questions about what kind of batting average he'll he'll eventually hit for. So there's, there's a ton of risk here. There's a ton of upside as well. I never really know where it's really hard to put these guys on a list when they haven't played yet uh i ended up originally putting him at 19th right behind alex reyes right in front of isan diaz uh recently moved him down to 25th just because there were there were a few hitters even even ones that are pretty far away from the big leagues where i just i'm more confident about their skills and more uh i feel like they're safer investments just because I, I think that they they will absolutely hit enough to to play every day in the big leagues and i know there's a ton of hype about robert i mean 25 million dollars that's a 50 million dollar commitment from the white Sox, given the 100 percent tax but i mean a lot of the guys that have busted from cuba uh received similar bonuses i mean it's just such a unique market where you can go out and get these guys at this age where teams are sort of willing to swing and miss on, on big, big signings like this. And, you know, there's just a ton of risk here. Like I I have him at 25. If you wanted to argue, he should be outside of the top 40 or something like that, just because we haven't seen him play yet. I think that that would be fair. I don't really see a case for him being in the top 15. I mean, if you're that aggressive on him, I think that that's just kind of uh, under underselling the amount of risk here. Yeah, it sounds like the Cardinals actually outbid the White Sox, but it seems like that familiarity with a couple of those players, Mancata and Abreu, led him to Chicago and to bypass some of that extra money. But you mentioned that we don't know exactly where Robert's going to go, so we're taking our best guess. You have him pegged at A with an ETA at 2019. I think there's any chance he starts at a lower level and then the team kind of gradually works him up? Yeah, he could. I, I could see him starting as low as low A. Uh, he, he probably just goes to extended spring training right now and they, they might not even assign him to a league for another couple of weeks. Honestly, I mean, it's, it's hard to say what they'll end up doing with him. Uh, if he's as toolsy as everyone says, then he should be able to handle, uh, low a or even high a pitching pretty well. Um, but I mean, I guess time will tell on that. It's, it's always tough to rank these guys, especially, I think it's even tougher to rank the the hitters because with the pitchers, at least you're, you know, like, Oh, he throws 96 and he's got a really good curveball. Like you can, you can kind of do something with that. We just don't know what these guys hit tools are going to look like really until they get to the upper levels of the minors. Another big riser on your top 400, Shedrick Long 
Shed Long, I'm I'm happy to see this as a Reds fan. Is it really the belief in his hit tool that skyrocketed him? Because he's also flashing more power than we've seen this year. He's running not a ton, but the the average at three twenty three on base at uh three seventy three. Still weighs off, twenty one years old, but is it just the the real buying in? Are you sold that the hit tool is gonna play at the higher levels? I mean he just yeah, he just he continues to hit. He uh I think on opening day of the minor league season, I think I probably had him ranked in like the one twenties, somewhere in that range. Now he's up to eighty four overall. Uh just I mean he's he's done about as well as anyone could have hoped. Uh now he's got uh, I think he's got well over well over fifty at uh games, I believe, at high A. So we might even see him at double A before the end of the season. And yeah, a lot of tool. I mean, everyone was investing in the off season because of the, the power speed potential there with a, you know, potential 20 plus Homer bat and some useful speed at second base. And there were a lot of questions about what kind of average he'd hit for. So, I mean, as, as long as he's hitting like this, it's, it's hard to make a case to, to keep him out of the top 100. Saw you tweeting the other day about, Maybe it was today. They all kind of blend together at this point in the season. And we're not even a third of the way there, James. It's fun. But I saw you tweeting that um, with several pop-up prospects in the Diamondbacks organization, the Marlins clearly have the worst system in baseball. Is Marcus Wilson one of those big pop-up guys? Because I don't remember seeing him at all. But the numbers so far with Kane County this year, really, really impressive. OPS over 1,000. Seven homers to go with six stolen bases. What's the overall package here with Marcus Wilson? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's been on the prospect radar for a couple years now. Uh, was a 69th overall pick back in 2014. There's definitely some some pedigree and some tools here. He was kind of your classic high school, uh, high risk, high reward pick where the, there just wasn't enough confidence in the hit tool for him to go in the first round. But I mean, the tools were really impressive. He's 6'3", 175, uh, probably actually closer to 200 now but yeah i mean there's big power uh, big raw power here he's already got the seven home runs and 31 games probably ready for a promotion to high a at this point and you know he he could easily he could easily struggle when he gets to to high a or, or double a maybe uh but i really like that he's walking i mean he's always walked a ton which is nice uh so that that kind of gives a bit more stability to the profile than if he was one of those guys where it was like a 25% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate. I think the fact that he's he's at least always shown the ability to walk definitely uh, gives him a, a decent floor given the, the power and speed tool. So yeah, I mean, he started the year completely off the top 400 and I felt justifiable or justifiably so. And I think just as justifiable is the fact that he's now in the top 150 uh have him ranked at 125 overall so yeah he's he's been maybe the biggest riser this year i mean when you have those the power and speed tools and you you adjust your approach uh, to that level and and are really raking it's it's hard to to make an argument that he's not a top 150 guy at this point as of last week i don't think it's the case anymore but scott kingery was tied for the the lead in all of professional affiliated baseball and home runs with 14. 
never has flashed this kind of power before in his minor league career. I mean, five homers total last year, three the year before. How much are you buying into the power he's showing so far, and how much are you changing your overall evaluation of Scott Kingery? Yeah, it's look, it's not uh – I mean, eight of his 14 home runs have come at home, which is worth pointing out because Redding is one of the uh, most advantageous places to hit in the upper levels of the minors. You know, we saw what a guy like Dylan Cousins did there last year. Uh, Andrew Pullins, another guy that's really upped his stock this year. And, and a lot of that is attributable to the the home cooking at Redding. But uh, really just with, with Kingery, he's proven that he's going to be more than like a zero or, or close to a zero in the power department, which I think is huge. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't really buy into him as anything more than maybe like a 15 to 20 Homer bat in the big leagues. But coming into the year, I think there were questions as to whether he was just going to be one of those guys, one of those second basemen that just chipped in like five or eight home runs every year and maybe became a one or two position guy where you're just kind of using him for his, average and his speed and he hits towards the bottom of the order or or what have you and now it looks like there's a chance that he could be a legitimate five category guy uh you definitely gotta pay attention to the home road splits with these these phillies guys at at reading but he's yeah i mean even if you even if you ding him for for that uh that home ballpark it's still there's there's too much power here to be ignored at this point Kingery checking in on the updated top 400 at 79. Five spots ahead of fellow second base prospect Shed Long, who we talked about earlier. Uh, good to see a couple second base prospects getting some love there. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, another guy who I don't know if he was, I think maybe when we were still doing the 200 last year, he may have fallen off entirely. Maybe he was off your top 400. I don't remember exactly, but I was in on this guy a couple years ago. Injuries derailed him, but Marco Gonzalez? In the Cardinals organization, I know he's been putting up some pretty impressive numbers. Are you starting to think maybe this is somebody who, who could be a back-end starter at the major league level? You know, it's just it's really encouraging to see that he appears to be back to full health. And it's only three starts, but he's looked good so far. Uh, you know, he seemed like a, a pretty safe bet to be a number four starter uh, a couple years ago and you know he struggled when he first got to the big leagues uh in a brief brief sample then he got hurt uh he's still probably behind a guy like luke weaver if the cardinals need to go for a a fifth starter or a a fill-in starter this season but he's back he's definitely back in that mix where maybe he does get the nod over Weaver if it's just a, an issue of, you know, who's, uh, whose start date lines up with whatever opening opens up. I mean, certainly someone to keep an eye on in, in single season leagues. I, I still think the, the upside here is fairly limited, but he, he definitely did go from a guy that I just wasn't, I wasn't going to rank again until he showed that he was back to full health because like, while I'm willing to, keep a guy with with a bit more upside like a James Caprillion or a Chris Paddock even on after going undergoing Tommy John surgery because they they have at least mid-rotation upside you know a guy like Gonzalez where it's more kind of number four upside you want to see them back and pitching healthy before uh you really give them uh much praise yeah absolutely and it's not like you're 
Going overboard with that, you have them just inside your top 300 overall. A couple Cardinals pitching prospects they have higher, I think, in the 100 to 200 range. Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson. What has changed in regard to those guys, and which one do you like more long term? So I, I honestly don't think much has changed with Flaherty. I mean, he I haven't seen any reports that the stuff has picked up, but he's just been so dominant this year that I just felt like he'd he'd earned a bit of a bump at the very least just because you know if you're you're talking trade with someone in a in a league it's a lot easier to move a guy with a sub two era than it is a guy that you just have to kind of believe in the stuff and they're not really producing uh hudson though i think is has a chance to be a legit maybe number three starter in time he's uh just i mean he's just been really steady at double a uh completely skipped uh, low a after signing just nine and a third innings at at high a last year and then head straight to double a this year and and really hasn't hasn't missed a beat so uh he looks like a quick to the majors type of guy uh obviously probably behind weaver and gonzalez but a guy that honestly could be ready towards the end of this season so i like hudson a little bit more flaherty's still kind of more of a number four to me i mean he's he's low 90s uh from the right side just not all that exciting doesn't have a plus pitch but the numbers are are so good that i i decided to put them inside the top 200 now you sent me a pretty lengthy list of of risers and additions to the top 400 i've been picking and choosing from the list and we've talked about a lot of the guys that i've skimmed over in recent weeks ryan mountcastle jake gatewood and others but anybody you want to mention specifically that's really kind of caught your eye that i didn't mention uh yeah i'll throw out uh i'll throw out two names um Demi Arimoloy, uh, Brewers prospect. Great name. Has, I mean, if you're an upside hunter, I mean, I most of the people that hit me up on Twitter seem really just to be after upside, and that's understandable. I mean, if you fall into that camp, he's he's your type of prospect. He's got crazy tools. Uh, Canadian, six four, two thirty, big big raw power. Still has plus speed. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that if everything were to come together, that's a, that's a potential top 50 fantasy player. He's still at low A. He's 20 years old, kind of a, a little bit further behind the developmental curve coming from Canada and just sort of not, not seeing as much uh, high end pitching when he was, when he was younger. But I mean, he's really taken off. I mean, he's like low A in the Brewers system. I mean, that's a level that a guy like uh, Monty Harrison's had a long time at and Jake Gatewood needed uh, multiple cracks at and and Arimolo is uh, kind of ahead of head of schedule in that regard he's you know batting averages isn't great 239 below 300 OBP but he's hitting for a ton of power strikeout rates under 30 percent I mean to me that's a win I mean he's he's been an above league average player I think there's there's going to be a lot of bumps along the way but if you just want to chase upside he's a good guy to go grab and then uh, Lamont Wade uh, for the Twins. This is a guy that just he doesn't get a ton of publicity. I mean, the tools don't really jump out at you. Uh, but if you look at what he's doing, I mean, he's he's really hit everywhere, especially in the past uh, past calendar year. But this is a guy that you know the approach is is really solid. I mean, he's just just a really quality hitter uh starting to get to a little bit more power there's there's a little bit of speed there um just a a a pretty underrated guy i mean kind of a a, sort of like a poor man's dustin fowler where 
you just you don't really hear about him too much because there aren't crazy tools there but he's just a really good hitter who, who i mean he's he's got a 17 and a half percent walk rate and a 14 percent strikeout rate at double a i mean he's 23 he's a little old but um just just a really impressive start to the season for him so he's he's probably out there in the majority of of leagues but i think it's it's probably time to scoop him up interesting i will definitely be keeping an eye out for those guys but now it's time to go to the other end of the spectrum here and, and talk about some notable fallers time to bury some of these guys now not for good uh i mean they're still they're still on the top 400 these guys we're going to talk about but they're trending in the wrong direction including darian cruz a guy i had picked up in staff three with one of my final reserve picks we we knew it'd be a struggle for a lot of these young toolsy guys getting the first taste of full season ball but for Cruz it's been a struggle do you know can you pinpoint an issue with him and do you see it being correctable uh you know a lot of weak contact uh some bad luck obviously I mean he's you don't have you don't usually put up a 167 average and have that be kind of your true talent level so there there has been some bad luck but a, a lot of weak contact not walking at all he's got he's got three walks in 124 plate appearances at low a and he's got uh 35 strikeouts so that's that's not ideal i mean he's really kind of sort of i mean he looks kind of lost i guess is the best way to put it probably i mean if he, if he kind of keeps up this this pace he might get uh sent back to to rookie ball uh once those leagues open up i mean the tools are still there i'm not uh i'm not cutting this guy yet in in leagues where 200 or 250 prospects are rostered but obviously he hasn't been the start you were hoping for i mean if if he had just hit like 250 260 i think you'd see a lot of that speed playing in games he, he might be at double digit steals already uh, the power is obviously a, a ways off, and he might never hit for more than eight or twelve homer uh, power. But yeah, I mean that just really weak contact is is kind of overmatched right now against low A pitching. Yeah, absolutely. And you have him now at one eighty two, which in our eighteen team staff keeper three, which each team rosters ten prospects, that'd be about borderline. I mean, you could make the case but i'm in the position where i'm selling now and he'd be the first guy on the chopping block right and i imagine some other owners are in a, a similar position what about grant holmes he's we've talked about some arms on the rise but holmes now even below darian cruz at 194 i think this guy was i mean man this is a pretty dramatic fall i don't know exactly how high he was coming into the year but it seems like holmes of course was a key piece in that reddick deal and reddick and rich hill and it seemed like the A's had high hopes for him, but is the ceiling looking pretty well capped at this point? Uh, I just, I've been souring on this guy for about a year now. I just, the, the command and and the control just doesn't seem to really be there. He's kind of heading in the, the wrong direction where that's concerned. I think the Dodgers unloaded him at the right time. he, man if i had to if i had to guess i'd say he's he's a reliever long term for me at this point which you know he's he's only got a 
412 XFIP and he's got, he's striking out over a batter per inning. So, I mean, the stuff, I mean, I, I think the, honestly, I think the upside is, is still all there for, for him to be at, at least a mid rotation starter. If he can, if he can kind of figure out his command, I'm just, I'm kind of out on him doing that at this point. I think he might be, he, I mean, he has the stuff to be a, a dominant late inning arm. I think that that might actually be the, the best, the best route for him. I think, I, I honestly think the Dodgers did really well in the, the three prospects they were willing to unload to the A's in that deal with, with Holmes, Montes and, and Gerald Cotton. The, the Dodgers have really developed this reputation in recent years of, they just don't trade really good prospects. Like, so when they trade a guy, that's usually kind of a, a pretty good sign that that guy's not going to come back to bite them. And it doesn't really look like any of those guys are. Yeah, like Jose De Leon too. That's yeah. why I love that Plashki bit <laughs> from years ago. Ah, trade him. Julio Urias, trade him. Under that logic, he was probably advocating for Bellinger. He wanted any young prospect to be flipped for somebody that could help him now. I mean, that works for fantasy baseball sometimes, but real baseball, I mean, those young controllable assets are invaluable. So uh, I'm sure they're not – I'm sure they're happy they held on to a lot of those pieces, even though Urias – Hitting, hitting a bump in the road that I did not foresee. But moving on to some other fallers in your top 400, Michael Geddes, we were in Arizona last fall, and it sounded like, sounded like a lot of scouts, even with the raw tools Geddes has, were kind of lukewarm on this guy. And then the struggles this year in a repeat of high A, that really surprised me that even though he's, you know, he didn't spend a full season at high last year, but he's had this much trouble with a repeat at that level. What's what's the big problem here? Yeah, opening the year, I think I had him just outside the top 200, kind of as a, look, the tools are just so good, and he was good enough last year at, at high A that I, I couldn't really put him any lower, even though I had my doubts about whether or not he'd ever be a, an everyday player. And yeah, like you said, it when when a guy repeats a level, and not necessarily repeats it after like say playing twenty games there the year before, but I mean if if he played fifty, sixty, seventy games there the year before and heads back, you really want to see him dominate, and he's just not doing that. Has yeah, gotten sixty even at high last year. Yeah, and now he's he's up over a uh, hundred games there, but with, with forty four coming this year. The strikeout rate's gone way in in the wrong direction. I mean, he was he was in the danger zone at twenty eight percent last year. Now he's almost to thirty five percent. You know, in a, in advantageous hitting conditions too at at Lake Elsinore in the Cal League. This isn't this shouldn't be a tough place for a guy with his tools to go out there and put up uh, impressive numbers. He has not done that. Now it's sort of you know he's. I think I have him kind of around three hundred now on the on the top four hundred down about a hundred spots. Wouldn't be surprising if he dropped out completely by the end of the year. You know, Ty Block has not been as big of a disappointment as I was expecting, but we still haven't seen Tyler Beatty, and he's been a faller on your top 400. Is it mainly due to the dip in strikeout rate? Uh, pretty dramatic after averaging 8.2 per nine at AA last year, down to 5.9 at AAA this year. I still think he gets an opportunity at some point this year, but are you expecting the fantasy impact to be rather minimal for Tyler Beatty. Yeah, it's just not a good it's not a good trajectory. This is the same sort of I mean, this is sort of the Braden Shipley type of path. This is the Aaron Blair, 
Matt Whistler type of path where it's like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's a, he's a mid rotation guy. He's a mid rotation guy. Yeah. I know he's not striking out a ton of guys, but you know, really like the way he goes out there and competes and everything. And then you get to the big leagues and then it's up and down, up and down. Maybe you're number five, you know, that this is what that kind of looks like. And, uh, he's got a better ballpark than any of those guys did. So that, that helps. And I mean, he's got, it should theoretically have a decent defense behind him, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not all that encouraging, especially in single season leagues where I know there were people advocating, that he was worth a stash coming into the year, even in even in deeper mixed leagues. And I, I think at this point, while we are, you know, a, a quarter of the way into the season, and his his debut, you would think, would be somewhat close. I I just don't see the upside to warrant stashing him unless you're just in a, a super deep league. Yeah, the only well, I grabbed him in a league that you know I did some of those NFBC draft champions fifty rounds draft and hold really didn't consider him there but i got him in the arizona fall league like rookie draft just because innings are a category and i thought he would help there but we'll see i do think the strikeout rate at triple a is uh definitely not appealing and yeah even in like an nl only i I just don't really see the the appeal and then stashing him at this point a guy real quick one last faller in the top 400 then i want to talk about some guys who have fallen off entirely but a guy who is slipping and is just barely holding on to a spot inside the top 200 sean reed foley numbers so far for him at double a yeah pretty rough i mean 581 era 177 whip i mean the jump from the low levels to double a can be hard for a lot of guys but are you seeing him and, and you're looking at the walks and thinking it's going to be a a struggle for him over the really the remainder of the year yeah you know he's he's a guy who he's done this before he had a ton of walk issues at at low a and at high a back in 2015 and it seems like he's back there i mean he's always missed a ton of bats i i owned him in in tdgx and was never that big of a fan but i mean he was a guy that that i think was in most top 100s coming into the year so i was sort of hoping that he would get off to a hot start and i could i could flip him uh ended up just cutting him this past week so i mean he's he's a guy who's going to reach the big leagues and might even reach it as a as a starter initially but i just there's too much too much up and down too many bumps for me for for a pitching prospect i i can put up with the the struggles the prolonged struggles when it's a it's a hitting prospect that i believe in but i mean there's just so many pitching prospects out there in dynasty leagues even deep dynasty leagues guys that pop up you know every couple of weeks there's there's a guy that is probably unowned who maybe should be owned that that when a guy's struggling to this extent and kind of lacks frontline upside it's it's pretty easy for me to to cash out on absolutely now some guys who have fallen off entirely eddie martinez and it just goes to show you what a difference a year makes because when we took that trip to south bend about a year ago he was kind of the the headliner uh, on the trip you know at least as far as i i knew and then we got there and Eloy jimenez caught your eye and was clearly a standout but we were interested to see martinez but at this point his stock has really crashed see a guy that maybe is like a quad a guy at best uh it's yeah you know i don't know it's he might be it might be mostly bad luck uh i mean the the babip is really low right now 
but I just I didn't like it, anything we saw when we we saw him in person last year, and you know I wanted to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt as the you know Cuban guy making his his first year and stateside and maybe knocking some rust off i kind of wanted to see what he would do the second year out and it's been even worse than it was last year obviously he's not striking out which is great but you know i didn't i didn't see the tools that were really advertised uh, when we saw him in person and i don't know maybe he's a fourth outfielder he's just he's kind of another one of those cuban guys where the 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 production just has not matched the hype at all and and eddie martinez is a is a pretty good cautionary tale if if you're getting a little too overexcited about larice robert i mean eddie martinez was considered maybe the best of the available guys it uh in the j2 class two years ago and has really kind of not amounted to much at all so far in pro ball so not don't not, forget about rusne castillo yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Ru- the Roos... Well, I, was, I bought in on. The Roos is a loose. I mean, <laughs> Ru- Roosne, I mean, honestly, the, the exact same things people are saying about Robert, they were saying about Roosne Castillo. So those, I mean, that's another another great one. Uh, and another thing, I mean, just worth mentioning with Eddie Martinez, I mean, there's just there seems to be basically a 0% chance to me at this point that Eddie Martinez would ever profile as a starting outfielder for the Cubs. So regardless of whether he can turn things around to some extent it's just i mean you're you're you need him to turn things around and probably get traded to a different org because i mean can you see any way that there would ever be a spot for him in that that big league outfield in chicago i I just don't really see it no maybe on the cubs teams of like the 90s yeah but not on this this team and yeah he he seems like a guy who Maybe a Padre by the end of the season. Maybe the Padres <laughs> would be into this guy, but we'll see. He might be a red. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, Brady Aiken also fallen off entirely from the top 400. Of course, he's dealt with, with uh, several injuries and really getting by on the name value as being a, a high pick in the draft. But do people need to just bite the bullet if you're still holding on to him and, and cut bait? Yeah, yeah. I mean... He's put that one on a T for you. He's walking more guys than he's striking out. I mean, these look, I, this was going to be sort of a prove it year for him. I thought, because, you know, now he's, he's far enough removed from, from Tommy John where that's not really a legitimate excuse to me anymore for the command issues. And, you know, the, the thinking was that he'd come in, I think in in the outlook I wrote for him for the site, like there were there were kind of two options. He was either going to come back this year and really shove and really reestablish himself as a as a top one hundred prospect, or he was going to kind of show the same issues he showed last year and fall you know off the map kind of completely. And and that's that's sort of been the the situation with him. I mean, never say never with a guy that that once had his stuff his his pre-injury stuff from from the left side but i mean what what's i i can't really see the argument for holding him right now in in any dynasty league just given given the struggle so far this year and jacob nottingham man this one's this is sad for me to see because I, I was in on nottingham as a guy who could hit you know i was really kind of sold on the bat but looking now the numbers so far at double a this year really rough 
just a, a 673 OPS, mounting concerns, and really a growing likelihood, I guess, that he's not going to be a catcher. And are you convinced now that that bat's really not going to play at any other position? I'm not convinced uh, fully. I mean, he's still got crazy raw power, but it's just, I mean, what what, what are you holding him for at this point? I mean, he's ev- everyone kind of knows that he's his future is not at catcher, at least not as any kind of a, you know, he, if he was catching, it would be a, the, the short end of a, of a catching situation where they were just using him as kind of a, a change of pace power guy that maybe, maybe started against lefties. Uh, I mean, that, that's really the best case scenario for him as a catcher more likely ends up at, at first base or traded to an AL team as a, as a DH option. But even then, like you'd want to see him, him raking this year for that to be kind of a, at least a, an option you could buy into from a dynasty league perspective and definitely not doing that. He's been dropped in, in all my dynasty leagues to, that I can think of. So yeah, if you still, if you're still holding Nottingham, it's, it's time to cut bait. Any of these other players that you listed here who dropped off the 400 that you want to mention Brandon Nimmo, perhaps. Oh man. Yeah. I've never been a Nimmo guy. He's off. Uh, Glad he's not a red. Came <laughs> awfully close. Yeah, did did come close. Uh, yeah, actually, I do want to just hit on the uh, the Rangers system really quick. Uh, I, I can't. I'm. I think they might be in terms of where a system started with with guys that I, I was somewhat ex- intrigued by or excited about coming into the year. Actually, the the Rangers and the Rays are, are probably both duking it out for who has the most guys that have really sucked so far this year. Uh, you know, and, and I, I mean that, um, <laughs> they've, they've, they've really been terrible. Uh, Eric Jenkins, Jason Rizari, Andy Ibanez, uh, on the, on the hitting side, those guys have all, have all really sucked. Uh, Ariel Gerardo on the pitching side has been, been pretty bad, uh, for a guy that came into the year with, you know, maybe he'd be a really safe number four starter. Now it's like, well, is he even that, um Anderson Tejeda I I moved outside of the top 200 he he came into the year as a as a guy that was sort of just outside the top 100 so they've had a lot of a lot of guys kind of in the middle of their top 10 coming into the year have really really struggled and then you know on the Rays side they've had a lot of fallers as well they they've had some success stories with guys like like Honeywell and Jesus Sanchez and Lucius Fox but then you know guys like Garrett Whitley, Casey Gillespie, uh, Josh Lowe, Adrian Rondon. Uh, I mean Chiwe, who now kind of looks like he might just be sort of a swingman or, or bullpen piece for them. I mean, lot, lots of guys uh, have fallen quite a bit in in those two systems. Well, tell us how you really feel. Jeez, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, James, great stuff. Check out his latest update to the top 400 rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial if you do not have a subscription updating this pretty regularly i mean you, i know you don't do quite as intensive of a sweep all the time but you're constantly tweaking this correct right yeah i mean on, honestly probably it's been updated more days than it hasn't been since the start of the season but this, I just wanted to make that clear that it wasn't like right. this was the first update. Right, yeah. I mean, we're always I'm always updating it, but this one was kind of a, a three-day process of me really flushing because it's sort of in advance of the draft, right? We have the draft coming up here in, in a couple weeks, and we're going to be adding you know 40 to 50 guys 
at least probably from well maybe 40 uh it's it's not a great draft but gonna be adding some guys obviously to the top 400 right after that so i I need to get the 400 to a, a place where i can easily decide that these are the guys that are getting getting dropped out so uh, this was kind of the last big update before the draft, but then we'll we'll have all those those recently drafted guys incorporated into the top 400 shortly after. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your insight as always, James. Great stuff. We appreciate it. We'll be back with you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.